This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Oh, is it me? Um, hello and welcome to, to the Blank Podcast. Sorry, I was looking at something else. Um, the podcast where we delve into, we're just going to leave it in there, yeah. um, life's difficult moments with some brilliant people. Uh, I'm Jim Daly, but a brilliant person is here with me. It's the one and only Giles Paley Phillips. Hello to, to you. who this brilliant person was. <laughs> it's behind you, just behind you, <laughs> yeah. over there in the corner. It's my cat. Um, yeah, hey Jim, how you doing? I'm good, actually. I'm very good. I had a run before today's podcast, which is why I look... Uh, one, I was late because I had to have a shower because I just smelled awful. I didn't want to stink out of the office. And that's why I look a bit of a mess, so I apologise. But um, we've got to... Actually, this comes off from the podcast, actually, with uh, Susie Ruffle today. We've got to have our things that keep us going. Exactly. We've got to have our purpose. Exactly. We've got to have our things that keep us grounded. For me, recently, it's been running. I'm not very good at it, and I find it... But what is good running? What are you... What are you... Are you? Were you trying to get to Olympic Tight standards? Times. If you're trying to get, a t- yes, yes. I'm. I'm. Uh, what's the next Olympics? I'm going to make it up. Los Angeles in four years' time. Let's assume it's um, that. I'm aiming so, for that. So yeah, I mean, what? What are you doing? Like a five k? Five k. Five k every three times a week. Well, so I every think other day. anywhere between twenty five minutes and half an hour is very, very acceptable time. That's that's where I am. Thanks, man. That's that's roughly where I am. So that, that feels. It, I do. But t- today was the first run I did where I didn't. Because you know, if you go for a run, you go up and down. Like yeah, you might yeah. enjoy the first bit, and the next bit hard. Next bit's okay, and then you sort of get a bit of a, a buzz. And yeah. Then, today was the first run where I didn't enjoy a single second. Yeah. The whole thing was. Re- it's quite hot today. So maybe it was that, but I just I really didn't enjoy. It. And I came home and I was nearly sick in the kitchen. So I, I just I don't <laughs> think I did a particularly. I think you particularly it. good run. I think today yeah. probably you needed to take it a bit. Take take the the heat off a little bit and. And take but it I a bit like more I'm steady. I'm the sort of person that um, and again Susie talks about this as well like almost having these sort of targets that you sort of aim towards. I need to be having I'm an, an obliger mm. and I need to um, track my progress and stuff. So I need to, if I don't get a very good time, I start I get a bit annoyed at myself. Oh, well, I think no, I think you need to be a bit less hard on yourself. I, I just getting through it is uh, is what you know where I come from with regards to running. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy That's running, true. and I've I've done running since I was a a kid uh just to, to to level it to 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 various degrees of um quality um but i think yeah i think uh, don't be behind yourself i think if you if you're out there doing it that's the main thing yeah i wish i've only been doing it since about halfway through lockdown i wish i'd been i wish i'd done oh, it like you since you know, so i was younger because it's so it's you, you you do get a bit of a buzz mm. after it i know they talk about runners high don't they but you do get a which, little bit of, of, of buzz. which i would say doesn't come until after you've had a shower and you've you've calmed down a bit yeah. i think it doesn't I've come had... like when you finish running you normally feel pretty awful i find you, you feel 
terrible for the first hour or yeah. so after running. And then you have a shower, and then you realise you're still sweating from the run, which is awful. Mm. So you have to go and have another shower, or you just accept that you're going to be sweaty in your clothes yeah. today, even though you've showered, which is a very weird situation. Cold shower. But then you do. Women told us cold shower. Yeah, I still, I still haven't done Man, that yet. I've been doing them pretty much daily. Have you? Like he told us. Daily. I mean, now is the time. It's so hot outside. Now is the time to do Honestly, it. Honestly, I'm I'm, you don't, don't have to submerge yourself completely in. I go in like an arm first and then another arm and then a leg. <laughs> just one and then arm I stick my head in and then kind of splash the water onto my torso and then sort of take it steadily in. I'm not saying you need to dive straight in because that would be a shock to the system. But if you steadily take yeah. yourself in, you get used to it. And, man, honestly, it really... It, it just lifts everything. You need you need to start a um, a lifestyle Instagram account of some sort of Giles's lifestyle. <laughs> no one wants running to see that. Cold showers. I mean, that's about it for no now. One but there might be that. more. No one wants to see that. Jim. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, our guest today is Susie Ruffle, a fantastic yeah. stand-up comedian, and she does lots of other Prolific. things as well. I write, you know, she writes, um, and then she said on the pod she's writing. a um, ideas for a book and she does a, she does two really fantastic podcasts as well one called Out and then the other one she does with Tom Allen yeah. and um, yeah she does all sorts but obviously she's mostly known for her, her fantastic stand up and we talk about that she's, quite a lot yeah she's very prolific incredibly prolific stand up um, and a very inspirational one mm. I think for anyone that's thinking about doing stand up comedy or anyone else in this podcast that might be doing it and not doing it as well um, <laughs> she's definitely someone to six look up to tonight, um, six gigs a night yeah and it's great yeah. six, six a week six a week yeah but when you start out, you have to. I mean, you, yeah, you, de- you definitely have to. You just don't get better without stage time, mm. which might explain why I've got worse recently. Um, but no, I think she's she is would be the blueprint, I think, for any young comedians or any young or old thinking of starting it. Um, and she explains what she does on this podcast. Mm. And you, ha- you have to be as prolific as she has been. And that's why proli- it, it, it's pr- being prolific and persistence. Yeah, persistence, com- yeah, persistence comes up a lot, doesn't it, on this podcast? And it's something that... Yeah, all creatives need to do that. I mean, it doesn't, things don't just appear and happen for, for most people. So you have to be out there doing it and creating. And and there are knockbacks along the way, but then that you need to use those and use them as fuel to, to go on to the next thing. So, yeah, that's um, a really important message, I think. Do you know what does just happen, though, Giles? Mm. And that is wonderful tweets yes. from our listeners, um, which... It are always so lovely mm. to receive in our. Uh, I've got tweet deck. I've got a little blank pod uh, column in my tweet deck, nice. and it's so lovely to see people tweet. Shall we read out a couple of tweets? I'd love to do that. You can go first. So I've got one here from uh, Chris Downs Twitter at c underscore downs underscore for dd two o nine. I'm a tutor at DD. Don't know what that is, DD209. I'm intrigued now. Oh, it's um, Open University. Lovely. Um, anyway, Chris is sorry to be reading out people's uh, profiles here. They might not want that. Based protection. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. GDPR. Yeah. GDPR. Like. Oh, God, it's out the window, isn't it? Anyway, Chris's tweet says I'm just listened to a blank pod featuring left wing economics commentator Grace Blakely and heard one of the interviewers say they did a degree at the Open University. A night here we go. There you go. So it was it was worth mentioning. A nice mix of personal and political chat in this interview. That was actually a really nice mix it, with it Grace, was, wasn't it? Yeah. We got the balance right there. Yeah, and it was I. It was I. It was I who did the Open University. Oh, uh, there you go. Degree. Almost but yeah, like a no, plan. brilliant institution, the Open University. So um, thanks for that message. That's lovely to hear from someone who's 
involved with the university. That is nice. And if you're from the university and want to sponsor any of our podcasts, then uh, <laughs> they know where to get in contact. Or if the only open university would like to do a podcast, we'd be happy to produce it. Yeah, yes, we would. Our rates are very favourable. <laughs> um, I've got a lovely message here from Tamara Fox, and she's at Words by Tamara on Twitter. She says, have you faced challenges in your life? Who hasn't? This is an amazing discussion about one person's challenges and how she has made a life despite difficulty. And that's a big thank you to the Blank Pod. So this was the episode with Sarah Barlondo. Um, was oh, obviously a very what an episode that was. Yeah, very touching and inspiring podcast all about Sarah's um, horrific car accident she had that, you know, sort of curtailed her, her, her tennis playing career, but has obviously led to her going into acting and, and writing and stuff. So, yeah, it was um, really, really emotional one, that one, wasn't it? It really was. And we said it at the time, but... You know, we have to thank Sarah for being so open on that podcast because it just wouldn't have been the same if she hadn't been so honest with us. Mm. And it was, um, it's really compelling listening. I would definitely recommend anyone who hasn't listened to it to give it a listen. Cause, and Sarah's just a wonderful, wonderful person as well. So it was a really, a really great episode. And time spent in her company was, was great. Can I read one more tweet out? Of course. I found one here from Holly Tinsley, and she says, I'm listening to uh, the Blank Podcast while looking for positive things to share tonight. And honestly, I don't know where the last hour and a half has gone. I can't help myself. I love people. I love listening to their stories and experiences. Then she's hashtagged it, podcast positive stories. That's really nice that someone is enjoying our episodes and and finding positivity in it, because that's that's kind of what we're trying to do with it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's lovely. What a lovely message. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying to promote positivity and obviously we talk to people on the podcast about difficult moments but it's about getting through those moments isn't it and that's the sort of positive thing about it and hopefully people enjoy the relaxed way we we do that indeed so thank you holly and um i think we should go into our next episode which is with the one and only susie ruffle on the blank podcast Soda Stream sent me a Soda Stream. That's huge. I know. Is this this the first part of the show all about Soda Stream? Is that why (laughs) you're talking about this? This So weird that you bring up Soda Stream. Uh, (laughs) And that word from our sponsors. Yeah. Um, No, I I think I tweeted an old picture of these and saying, oh, does anyone remember Soda Streams? Thinking that they didn't really exist anymore. And then Soda Stream said, well, hey, we do still exist and we'd like to send you a new one. And so we got sent a Soda Stream. That's really. Yeah. I mean, I, I we bought ours. Now I'm now, now I'm starting the podcast disappointed. <laughs> I mean, what a way to start. Sorry. <laughs> but it's kind of revolutionary. I mean, I've, I, we use it all the time. I like constantly. Using yeah, it. we're constantly. We're. I mean, it, this does sound like an advert. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really does. Thanks, I mean, so I'm just constantly, and you can use it. In, you know, I've got squash today, but I've just sort of jazzed it up with a bit of sparkling water. <laughs> Have you got a Soda Stream, Jim? No, I'm not. I'm, also, oh, I'm not. Jim. I'm not massively sure I know what a Soda Stream is. Oh, Jim, that's embarrassing. Oh, come on, yeah. Sorry. But you do seem to have lots of football shirts in the background. Yeah. That? I do have lots of football shirts. Is yeah. that? Do you? I have a problem. It's called. Is, eBay. It, is it like a hobby of collecting them? Absolutely not. No, I, oh, right. I cannot afford any of these. But um, I have a slight problem. Um, okay. 
but are I they do sort like of vintage church, yeah. one or something? Some of them are. So that palace one there, I had as a 14-year-old, and ridiculously, it still fits me, oh, which I think proves how little I have gone to the gym recently. How, is that is this in Crystal Palace? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're both o- we're both Palace fans. I live opposite their training ground. Oh, do you? Do you? Copas Cope Road. Yeah, I live around the corner from there. Oh, amazing. Yeah, my dream is actually to live on Capers Cape Road because it's the <laughs> nicest road in the area. And I feel like it would be really cool. But yeah, I can actually see where they train from my balcony. Amazing, amazing. You can get some Which, inside. Cause, so Jim does a Crystal Palace podcast as well. So, oh, uh, so any inside from info. my balcony? Yeah, <laughs> you just watch them train. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they've kicked a ball, another one's kicked a ball. I can't actually yeah. see who it is oh, from here. But... Ben Teke's missed again. Yeah, sounds about um, right. Because you, you're from Portsmouth originally. I'm Pompey. Yeah. So my Pompey. wife lived in North End for a while. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, Ed... a bit rough around the edges, parts of North well, End. I was say, apart from Gun Wolf, you could probably say oh to quite a lot of parts of Pompey, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I moved away, I was very much like, I need to leave Portsmouth. Yeah. I'm, I want to get out. I want to live in the city. I want to move to London. I had this sort of idea of what London mm. was like, which in many ways it has lived up to its expectation. Um, but... I, it made me sort of not like Portsmouth for quite a long time, and then I, and then when I sort of started doing stand up, um, when I started getting better at stand up after doing it for sort of a number of years, mm. I would I would sort of when I needed some time off because I'd be so busy, sort of like touring around the country or opening for someone or playing all the clubs, yeah, yeah. which is you know what you do on your well, what I still what I still would be doing to some degree now. Um, I, I sort of would go there to have, like, my downtime. And so I sort of fell back in love with it, in a way. And so I really like South Sea. And I really, there's parts of it that I really love. But Mum and Dad actually live in Hailing Island. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Which is a really nice sort of little island. Yeah. My friend, my best mate, um, he lived in South Sea. He did... He, did, um, his, he went to university down there and did... Um, he became a psychiatric nurse. Oh, and he wow. said it was great because Portsmouth was perfect place to learn to become a psychiatric nurse. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> it takes all sorts. Yeah. It takes all sorts. But no, it has. I mean, I, I, no, I've got I've got a bit of an affection for Portsmouth. I've been there many times, and we go there for day trips. I mean, we live in Seaford on in East Sussex, but it's not too far to go for a day trip. Mm. And um, yeah, it's not. I like yeah, I like Portsmouth. I like it. It's it. Well, I mean, it's home. You always yeah, exactly. Sort of have some sort of fondness to like every street. You can be like, well, that's where my school was. Yeah. That we used to smoke behind the bike sheds over there. <laughs> yeah. That's where that happened. Someone had an argument in that chip shop. Like it's just it's it's just familiar, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to have that. I think as well as like you say, when you've been on a heavy tour, or you're you know you've just had enough of where you are. Because like, I can imagine London's quite. You know, I I get a bit flustered when I go there even just for a day um to have that a little bit of escape you know that place that you're familiar with yeah well I mean for a for a while well for a, quite a while I lived in Hoxton in East London and then when I met Alice we lived there together for a while that's my partner and then mm. when we were coming to sort of thinking about maybe settling down somewhere and sort of not needing somewhere that's quite as hectic that's why we've moved out to southeast sort of Kent borders because I do love London I love being able to get into London but I really like the fact that it sort of feels a bit villagey mm. Which is really nice. We're sort of the same. So we live in Chesham in Buckinghamshire, which um, end of the Met Line. So, right. So I, I call it London to people because it's got a tube station, but it clearly is not, not London. No, it's it's, it's <laughs> miles away. But 
it's you're it, you get a bit of the same. You get you can get into London, but also you've got that sort of countryside feel as well. But I, yeah, talking really about nice. sort of, you know growing up because I grew up in Northwest Kent near near Tunbridge Wells, and mm-hmm. it was place called Edenbridge. The Trinity Theatre. Trinity Theatre. I know every town in the UK by their local theatre. But it was, I grew up in Edenbridge and it was an incredibly boring place to grow up uh, for a sort of teenager. But then when you go back to these places as as an adult, you realise that they're actually really nice. I don't know what changes about getting older and sort of more appreciation for sort of nice towns. Because you all want to go to London. I was desperate to get to London and experience it. And I still love going to London. But there's something about... I don't know, growing up and realising what's maybe what's more important, I don't know. Yeah, London for a long time felt to me like it was the place where things happened. Yeah. You could be you could sort of be who you wanted to be. There were lots of different types of people and exciting stuff happened here. Yeah. And so yeah, I became sort of obsessed from from when I was about I think I went to see Greece the musical when I was about maybe 12, 13 in the West End I I noticed on the way that the the sort of where the exactly where the West End is where all the theatres are on the top of the signpost it says (laughs) Theatreland I remember thinking that was the coolest thing (laughs) in the world yeah it says Theatreland so it's like you know there's like those roads where it's like Shaftesbury Avenue And the ones where there's like lots and lots of theatres, those that there's like about five roads, and it's got a theatre <laughs> land. I've never, I've right never seen it. that before. That's amazing. But as a teenager that was like massively into performing, really into theatre, that was their thing. I just became like obsessed. That like I was like theatre land. That is like the place. That's the place to be. And we saw Greece, and then afterwards, I saw the cast, all of the like the Pink Ladies. Um, they we went round to state. Mum was like, "Do you want to go past stage door? We'll probably see everyone that was just in the show, like going to get their lunch. We've been to like a matinee. We're going to get their tea." And so we sort of like walked around just to watch for a bit. And these girls fell out of the um, of the door, like having such a laugh. Who knows what happened that day? But they were just laughing their heads off. And I remember looking at that as about twelve, thirteen, and being like, "That's it. That's what I want to do. I want to be that." In London, people are that happy when they go to work. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. The reality that's it. was that was became... the only day that year that they enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. And who knows if I hadn't, if we hadn't have done, like, who knows how my life would have been? Yeah, if they'd just different. come out like bawling, <laughs> their eyes yeah, out, or like, like oh. having an argument or something. <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's... and I don't know how much of that is. Like, I think there's probably part of it that I've... Like, I have that memory, but I don't know how much my brain has sort of coloured in some of it for me and put a rose-tinted lens on it. Um, But, yeah, then it became sort of an obsession to get to London. Yeah, because I know you've talked about this before in articles and stuff, that school was quite difficult. You found school difficult. I hated school, yeah. Mm. I really hated school, and I really hate it when people would be like, "They're the best days of your life," and I'd be like, "Fuck no. this! No, I this hate is school that as well. is insane." Yeah. Um, I'm quite dyslexic. I was never. Um, they didn't know that I was dyslexic when I was at school. I was just. I would just find everything hard because if if you find reading hard, everything's hard. Science is yeah. hard. Like yeah. everything is hard if you find reading hard, which is weird now because I'm. I sort of write for a job, which. It's, you know, to like teenage me would have been absolutely bonkers to think that I would do something like that. But I, yeah, I just sort of, I 
I just, I just, I didn't, I didn't really fit in. I didn't, I wasn't like horrendously bullied, but I never really felt like I had any friends. Mm. I'd occasionally be picked on. I felt like I was a bit bullied. I, again, I wonder if how sensitive I was. I think I'm really sensitive. I was also struggling with the fact that I knew that I was gay mm-hmm. and I didn't want to tell anyone and I didn't want to be gay. I would have done, if I could have taken a pill and not been gay, that exactly, I would have done that. And that's probably true up until I was, you know, in 20 probably. Um, and so I just, I had sort of a lot of uncomfortableness around who I was, but then also this added thing that I've got lots of sort of LGBTQI plus friends who were really studious at school because that was a way to sort of get through it. So you'd be the top of the class, you'd be the, like, you know, you'd be good at your schoolwork. And so because I wasn't that, I think I found it, yeah, I I just, I just didn't like it. And I, and I just remember finding, yeah, the whole thing, hard just always hard just everything was tough there's 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 Uh, a pressure isn't there on kids to sort of enjoy school life i i I also hate that phrase but although the best days of your life and it was the same for university because i mean i went to university in southampton i don't want to mention that earlier with the whole pompey thing but um (laughs) um, i quite like southampton my brother lives there we're the family are very open to to people from across the border (laughs) it's a perfectly nice place um but people would say, oh, you're going to meet your best friends. You're going to meet your best friends for life in your first year of union halls. And I had some perfectly nice people, but they weren't that nice. So then I spent the like, like next yeah. few years thinking, well, I fucked up university because I didn't meet my best friends. There's so much pressure to go through these years yeah. and make the mess of them. When actually for a lot of kids, they're incredibly difficult and hard. And that's OK. Yeah, totally. And also, like, yeah, I mean, you sort of think, don't you, as a saying about, like, best friends and stuff. I thought that I had... I got to like 30. I'm 34 now. Yes. <laughs> um, but I got to say, like, I got to like my late 20s and thought, I've probably met all of my, I've probably got all of my really good friends now that, you know, like, mm. I've got enough to see me through <laughs> <laughs> until death. Um, and I do have some that I made at, at, when I went to drama school. I've got some that I made when I first got onto the comedy circuit. Uh, but then, you know, in, in recent years, I've made, I've, you know, collected a couple of other really dear friends that it doesn't really matter that we don't have all that history. Yeah. We've got just sort of now and we're very, like, present in each other's lives and we really check in on each other. And we have done since, like, all of this. And, um, yeah, I think it's really... Uh, I don't think it's really important to never put that pressure on yourself. It's the same with, like, oh, like, you know, getting your first job or in comedy. It's often about, like, you've got to go up to the Edinburgh Festival and you've got to get nominated for Newcomer. You've got to have, like, this amazing first round. Whereas I had a very three-star first show in Edinburgh. (laughs) really? And, yeah, very three-star. Because I wasn't that good yet. And I'm quite, you know, I I like the kind of stand-up that I do now. I'm quite proud of the stuff that I put out. I, it's not for everyone, and I've grown to be... Um, I don't mean because I do anything that people... I don't do anything that's like... I don't think I'm Marmite at all, but in order to be some person's favourite, you have to be some person's not yeah. favourite. And so, you know, I know there's people that really love what I do, and I... Um, and I and I really like what I do, and then there's some people that would be kind of nonplussed about me, but... I mean, that it, it doesn't bother... I mean, obviously, at some point when I was coming through, it was like, I need everyone to love <laughs> me. But, yeah, I had two... I had two very... My two first Edinburgh's were very fine. <laughs> everyone was like, she is a really good performer. Her writing needs work. But you were you aware of that at the time, though? Were you thinking... Yeah, I was like, I'm not... 
I've got. But I, can, I can improve. Yeah, I, but I, I feel like that now. I yeah. feel like that when I get like uh, a glowing review from the Guardian. I, I'm still like, mm, yeah, I think this is. I think this show is pretty good. I think it shows. Yeah, I really like that bit. I love that bit. Mm. Do I like that bit? Like I, because and then on tour, I'll constantly be changing, like the, the minutia, which I. I I guess anyone other than me probably wouldn't notice, or maybe my agent because she's seen my show. She's watched. She sees my show a good few times mm. when it's like being sort of polished up, and then it go on the road, and then she'll come and see it sort of towards the end of the run and be like, "Didn't we used to? Did, have you put in that bit about the stingray?" <laughs> like, yeah, that's. Okay. Uh, but um, but I think that's. I think this like desire to like get everything right first time like meet your friends smash school mm. get your GCSEs get your A-levels get a first at university and you know if I had had that mentality I probably I might have stopped stand up I, I really considered stopping after I'd had two very fine years in Edinburgh where everyone said I was nice to watch and that I was I had good stuff uh, I was really good at selling stuff but I didn't have like a full polish show and I, it would have been very easy to sort of go Oh, well, I've given that a try, and it's not been embarrassing. Mm. I've not failed, but I just didn't, I just didn't um, have the, a break, the breakthrough of what kind of stand-up that I do. But I don't know, with everything that I've ever done, perseverance is the most important thing. Mm. With everything. I've, I'm, like, I, I'm very, I'm not fluky at all. I never, I never win first time. I never get, I always have to work. I always feel like, I, and I've always felt like this, I have to work easily like as hard as the hardest person that's working like I've always I've got some friends that have had like and they're brilliant people that I love who are very very talented but sort of have things sort of fall onto their laps mm-hmm. and they're like oh and now I'm doing this thing and that thing and the other thing and that's amazing and I'm happy for them um but I feel like someone where I've always had to go here's another draft yeah. here's another draft try this try this try this and then it was I think on maybe my fourth or fifth my third show in Edinburgh went really well. The next one went even better. The next one it went even better than that. And the next one went even better than that. By that point, I was someone that was selling out every night and there were stars all over my posters. And But it's always been a bit of a journey to get there for me. And I kind of think that comes back to being dyslexic and always feeling a bit like, can I do this thing? Is that okay? Can I do this? But, I mean, I don't actually know what question you asked. But <laughs> I can't I will remember just either. <laughs> but I enjoyed the answer a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I have. Um, I do have an off switch, but you're just gonna have to call my dad <laughs> and just get a oh, It makes you an ideal guest for the podcast. So that's <laughs> oh, okay. No, but I really empathise with all that because I struggled at school. I wasn't dyslexic. Um, my son's got bad dyslexia, and it's something that we we do worry about because I think the school system as well is just not set up. Um, you know, one size doesn't fit all, and you know, particularly now where STEM subjects and all that kind of, you know, the arts are kind of pushed aside a little bit, and sports to a certain extent as well. So I do worry about his future. But yeah, I struggled at school. I, I only got, I only came out of school with one GCSE, I think. And I, and very much like you, I've always had to keep working at stuff and try to strive to go forward. And I think probably that that probably those knockbacks and that feeling of failure a little bit maybe has sort of made me want to push forward and a bit of a kind of two fingers up at the establishment or something or the you know the teachers that didn't believe in me or whatever it might be Um, yeah I think that's I I, I feel very similar and I think same with work and with everything like I just I I, do you know I don't mind hard work either 
You do feel great when you achieve something that you know you've really had to fucking work on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, like you know, when you get something away, or like I did like the Apollo a couple of years ago and I'd wanted to do that for quite a long time and I'd been I think I'd been in the mix of names for a few years beforehand and they'd seen me and they'd liked me but they didn't think that I was quite ready and then when I finally did it I had a lot of people say it's a really tough gig but I was just very lucky I had the perfect point on the show I really liked the material I was really I was so fucking pumped for it Mm. that I had probably one of the best gigs of my life and I was lucky enough that it was being recorded <laughs> Amazing. For, a, for a big stand-up show and um and it took me and you know I was really knocking on that door for a really long time but then once I did it and had this incredible gig I just walked off stage and burst into tears because I was like I did the thing I got the thing yeah, I did yeah, it. yeah yeah and it was really fucking hard to to get to get them to, to book me for it or not it wasn't really fucking hard but there was a bit of a journey to get booked for it and a lot mm. of my friends had already done it and sort of like felt like they were whizzing past me. Um, but then it didn't matter because I'd done it and I'd had a really nice time and it it didn't matter that it took so long because it was... Because it, it felt great, it didn't matter. Well, I think that was that the first time I... Yeah, I think that's the first time I kind of really was aware of your work and I, well, you killed it, I think, that night. You were brilliant. Oh, um, thanks. Um, thanks. But, so. yeah, so... And it, yeah, I think those moments sometimes, they're val- it's kind of like validation, isn't it, almost, in a way? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And go back to your son just briefly. Mm. I think the thing that's finding school so hard, mm. and maybe people that are listening have might have dyslexic children as well. Yeah. Finding school so hard. The thing that find like having hobbies outside of school were my absolute saving grace. Mm. So I went to singing lessons. I went to tap and ballet and modern. I went to drama club. I had, and I think, and then you also have like that friendship group outside of school as well, which is different. Because I think sometimes if you're the dyslexic person or you're the person that finds things really tough, that's like your persona at school. Absolutely. So you can carve out a different one Mm. where you're good. I knew that every Thursday night I was really good at singing and dancing and acting. And I felt great. And it was sort of enough to keep me fueled for finding school difficult all week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he, he has struggled with friendships at school. Um, very mm. much so and, and he has got really good friendships outside of school that you know and so I think you're right totally right and uh, yeah and I think we're I mean for him I think he's still trying to find his thing um, mm. but uh, he will and you know he will of course. Yeah, and, um, how old is he? oh he's 11 yeah. oh so he's not he's, yeah he's, he's starting second school in September so we'll, yeah we're going to see how it goes and, and you know yeah, yeah, he's he's a, he's yeah. a lovely little boy. So I think you know he'll find his thing and and it'll be fine. But yeah. also, like, how have you? Do you know about Dyslexi Font? Mm, yes, I I use it when I'm doing auto cue. Do you? But you can you can download it to your computer so that the whole of your computer is in this like font that's easier for dyslexic people to read. Oh wow. Maybe ah, look it up. Yeah, I will, I will, definitely. We, I mean, he's doing, like, he's, we just got him a tablet, so he's doing, like, speech, to, like, with Google, he's doing speech to, um, yeah. speech to, to text um, a lot yeah, more. Yeah, cause, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, reading and writing, obviously, is not something he can do, really. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really tough. Yeah. It's really tough. But, yeah, um, so that you, yeah, having those outside things. Yeah, so that's, so is that where you kind of first started like, doing performing and stuff then? I mean, I've been showing off forever. <laughs> I mean, I think I think I was quite exhausting to be around as a child. <laughs> to be honest, I think it was pretty exhausting until I found stand-up, and then as soon as I could be funny on stage, I could, like, turn everything down off stage. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think finding stuff like that going... Yeah, I went to a, to a youth theatre club, which was just, like... I just fucking loved it. It was brilliant. We were doing, and we were doing like 
not really it, like it wasn't cool we were doing like Rogers and Amos Hammerstein musicals okay. and like you know like Sound of Music and stuff like that yeah, like, <laughs> the, yeah things like, yeah like Carousel mm. and like all of these really old fashioned musicals and we were all dressing like we were in sort of the 30s or <laughs> but I just fucking loved it it was just great I had this group of friends there was like some definite gay boys there because music theatre I mean they go hand in hand <laughs> yeah. um, with each other and also yeah. theatre. My, my brother's gay, and he, he, him, and his husband love musical theatre. It's, yeah, it's well mean, up it's there. It's one of their favourite things to do. Yeah, I mean, some cliches are there for a reason. Yeah, exactly, that's, yeah. that's totally fine. I've got a pair of Birkenstocks on. <laughs> Let's lean into stereotypes <laughs> yeah. um, as long as they're not offensive. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, yeah, so I just um, just that outside thing of being, and I think like. Finding something you're good at is so... And don't get me wrong, you know, it's not like I'm coming to you live from the West End currently. Like, I wasn't amazing, but I was good enough for people to be like, oh, yeah, you can be... You can have a few lines in this song and you can have that... F- I'd always play, like, the funny, stupid character and, um, you know, put on wigs or be old ladies and things like that, which I just thought was just such... Well, it's so play, fun. isn't it? It's play. It is, Yeah. yeah. It is, and I think that's, like, talking about, like, education in this country, like, I think that's such a shame that that really seems to, like, go out of the window. Mm. And then we're all, you know, like you're saying about your your boy, like, we're all we're all sort of, like, examined in this same way. Yeah. And it's sort of, like, and we're, we're, like, people are so different, and there's such a wide range of jobs that you can do. Like, like what the fuck is this that we're doing now? Like, none of us knew this thing existed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, ten years ago, exactly. we were like, what, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. and now, like, you do it, I do it. Like, it's, it's, it's now a job. It's now a thing where people will like to listen to radio that's not radio. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and, like, and that's the thing. Like, people create fun, people create new ways mm. of doing stuff. And but yet we're still all going. Make sure you do geography. You really need yeah. to know how mountains are formed. You sort of go. I don't know how much that's come up. I wish they. Do you know? What I wish they taught me how to do a fucking tax yes. return. That would have yeah. been useful. Yes. Yeah. Self assessments like, are the fucking like or like you know or like oh yeah like this is how you you know set up a pension yeah this is um this is this is what happens when someone dies this is all the things that you have to organize like like things that are actually like every single person in this class will experience a version of this this is how you go to for a job interview but instead i was there trying to do fucking oh like just just stuff that i would never use i've never used i've never used algebra no i'm sure and i'm sure that and I'm sure there'll be mathematicians listening that are going, you do, you use it all the time. But I don't know. I'm not aware of that. Yeah, I'm not aware of it. And I think I'd be able to do it if I didn't use the X and then the A oh, and the B. Oh, Christ, and I hate it. I wish I'd been told like how to look at under a car bonnet and, like, because my car, like, my car is shit and breaks down all the time. And I don't know what to do about it. It's so embarrassing. Well, that's the thing. It'd be so useful to have things that we know. Life skills. Yeah, like how much better that would be to go. Also, like here's how you make a birthday cake. <laughs> yeah. Or like something like that. Yes. Like oh, if you've got friends coming over, like as a teenager, like when you go to university, you're probably going to eat lasagna. Here's how <laughs> you yeah. make a lasagna. Here's how you like. Well, here's how you like cook something for cheap. Yes. Like why aren't we teaching? Why aren't we having like a home economics class where you're going? Okay. The budget was ten pounds. Oh yeah, I'm going to make four meals for the week, and this is how you do. Yes. Them. They need to get Jack Monroe to do a whole syllabus yes. on that. She's great. Yeah. 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 She's great. 
Yeah. But the thing about, I think, thing about yeah, that'd be really good. The thing about creative sort of studies as well is that you're right that schools want encourage people to be academic, but without creativity in the creative arts, our society is absolutely nothing. And, we, and we've seen that recently with the government being really slow to include sort of creativity into the packages yeah. and stuff. But if everyone's working jobs nine to five and then they've got no theatre to go to, no comedy to go and see, what is the point? Well, that's the thing. Like, that I saw on... Um, I don't know who put it on Instagram, so I'm sorry for not crediting whoever came up with it, but, I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people thought. But, like... When the government were not putting any measures in to save theatre or save the arts, people were saying, like, you know, have a day where you don't listen to music, where you don't watch yeah. Netflix, where yeah. you don't... Um, I mean, we don't even watch the news, because, you know, there's guys that are, like, cameramen, and, that, like, that's sort of yeah. the arts to a degree. I know it's the technical side of things, but... You know, and, you know, don't have a day where you're not listening to podcasts. You're not listening to anything creative. Don't look at any art. If you've got art in your house, do this. <laughs> like, it's, it, it's so, it's such a shame. And then there's so many varied types of jobs in the arts and also varied types of people. Yeah. I think that's really important mm-hmm. as well that, you like, you know, you, you want to live in a world, well, for me, I want to live in a, in a work world where there's people from all walks of life middle class i mean comedy there's always going to be some upper class people the cambridge footlights they're <laughs> yeah. they're always they're always doing well and um but people from you know d- different cultures different religions like it's so important different genders you know sexualities yeah. so important that that that's all included and that is something that theater does so well and that's something that the arts can i've learned so much from watching a play or watching a a, a, a tv show and you know about sort of you know who we are as people and yeah and you just sort of think god if all of that goes then what are we left with loads of people that like can do algebra well listen guys I'm you're really hammering algebra, algebra today yeah <laughs> i'm really do you know what's funny about yeah, algebra, yeah. algebra. <laughs> that can that can that be the the, the title of this episode please yeah. algebra with Susie Ruffle. yes that's a whole podcast i think <laughs> Oh, great, let's get another one going. No, no, but it's so true, it's so true. So, um, how did you find comedy then? Because obviously you said you're doing, like, the the drama and the the performing arts stuff. uh, Were you a bit of a a sort of... I I hate this sort of phrase, but class clown, but were you... Did you try and make people laugh Uh, at school? Yeah, I tried to make people laugh. I think it was... Now I sort of know that it was deflection of my sexuality, so I could say something funny before anyone said anything about me. Um, I'm from a, quite a funny family. My dad's quite good at sort of telling stories. It's sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, I think, like a really, a, a really Irish thing. Actually, like sort of storytelling. Yeah. My family aren't. We're not. We're not. We're just from Portsmouth forever. <laughs> I think. Um, but that's sort of a very. It's sort of with the women in my family, with the men in my family. Everyone sort of tells stories. My dad and my uncles, especially, will sort of do voices of people that they've met. And do an accent. They've been in Liverpool delivering. They work. They used to work delivering lorries and things like mm. that, and, and working as long distance lorry drivers. And Dad would always come back with, "Oh, I met this Scouse fella," and he said, "Oh, what are you doing that for?" And he'd be able to do all the voices. Yeah, and yeah. I remember th- finding that brilliant. I think I realised sort of quite early on. Not that I would have had the words for it, but that there was a real currency in funny. Yeah. yeah. People like being around funny yeah, people, yeah. and I could be funny. And I could, so I would often be sort of 
doing little impressions, doing like a turn of Silla Black while my mum's <laughs> friends watched, you know, that sort of silly thing. And then I went off to drama school. And, and the whole time I was at drama school, all I really wanted to do was be Victoria Wood or French or Saunders. <laughs> and, um, and it took me a, it took me a, the three years of drama school and then a couple of years out of drama school to sort of go, I think I want to do comedy. I think I want to do comedy. And so I, I, I tried it and then here we are sort of, I think, 11, nearly 12 years later. Um, of of going to a place that was called the Lion's Den. Yeah. I did I did a gig at the Soho Theatre for my first gig, which was like uh, it was like new writers using improvisers. I was doing improvising, and there was a spot where they were like, "Does anyone want to do anything that they've written themselves?" And so I was like, "I've written a funny monologue." So that was, I guess, the first time that I tried to make people laugh with my writing. But then, yeah, I went down to a very much a dive bar in King's Cross. It was called the Cross Kings then. It's called something else now. And there was a night called the Lion's Den. And I think I got a laugh and the, the whole, that was it. That was all I ever, that was all I wanted to do. Acting had got, acting went right out the window. Um, it, and, and it was just, and then I became, I liked comedy before. I'd seen a couple of DVDs. I like Lee Evans, I like Lee Evans sort of stuff from the nineties. Yeah, I always yeah. thought it was really funny. I really liked Alan Carr. Um, I thought he was brilliant. I was sort of very into mainstream comedy, which is what I do. Um, but then I became sort of obsessed with stand up and like, you know, learn about Stuart Lee and Daniel Kitson and all of those kinds of people that were not these massively famous people, mm. but these sort of very well respected mm. stand ups. And uh, yeah, just, and that was it. That was, then I was like obsessed with who the agents were and what the shows were and how you got, okay, so people do those shows and then they get onto those shows and then they do that and you go to Edinburgh and you get five minutes and then you do a 10 and then you do 20 minutes and then you try and do the 20 minutes in the clubs around the country and then you middle and then you open and then you headline and, and then you go on tour. And so, and it it became like, almost like if I do this, that next thing will happen. So I just became obsessed with constantly writing new stand up and, um, and, and just, and I gigged constantly, like easily six gigs a week. Wow. I'd have like one night off. I'd often double up. I remember I, uh, I'm good friends with Joel Domit, uh, the stand up. And there was a time when he and I both had little fixies in London because we were those guys. And, uh, I mean, fixed wheel bikes. So like, yeah. um, the very sort of skinny poncy little bikes. And we would often be doing the same two gigs that night and we'd sort of cycle past each other or we'd see each other on the way and be like, are you going there? Yeah, yeah, I've just been there. What's the crowd like? Oh, there's only 10 people in. But it's still quite nice. Oh, okay, cool. And yeah, it just became obsessed with getting better and being funnier and writing more. Um, it's almost like you were kind of in training. It kind of is. It's yeah. like doing an apprenticeship yeah. when you start, I think. You just, um, yeah, you're constantly trying to get better. Constantly trying to write more, and, and finding out what it is that makes you funny. I think that's why I, because it took me a while to sort of work out what it is that I'm good at being funny about. Mm. But you, you like you, you have to make loads and loads of mistakes. It's sort of it's a very sort of like 
humbling profession in that regard because mm. you you know you sit at your kitchen table, write a couple of gags, go out that night, <laughs> die on your ass, try again the next day, and it's it's very. I think, I think that's why lockdown's been really weird for stand-ups because we're so used to getting that immediate response. Um, like, I'm, I'm trying to write other things now and I've got a couple of things in development and I'm pitching a book at the minute as well and and, and I, I find it very hard because I'm so used to go, going, I think that's funny, I'll go out, the audience will either confirm or deny yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then I know whether I was right. And then that goes into the yes or no pile of stuff that's working for a new show. And you don't get that with anything else. No. Which is weird for me. Yeah. I mean, you know you're a writer. Yeah. I'm, oh, God. And publishing is one of the slowest um, industries known to man. I mean, it moves at such a slow pace. And, you, and like you say, just getting some fucking feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He's like pulling teeth. Um, so yeah, so I do feel for you. And like I say, like, I think I mean, I, I, I do. I'm, I'm a bit of a musician as well. I do like, playing gigs and stuff. You get that immediate. It's that immediacy that is so powerful. I think that you don't get in in. You don't get in non sort of performance kind of arts. Yeah, I think so. So it's um. Yeah, but it, yeah, it, it, like as I say, starting out, it just became an obsession. And I still really love it. I feel very lucky that I get to do this. Yeah. So you're still kind of ravenous for watching other stand-ups and stuff as well? To a degree. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'll go and see if there's, like... The thing is with the UK circuit is um, I've seen everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. And I sort of know everyone. You end up getting to know... Like, not everyone, everyone, but you end up getting to know... Like, a lot of the sort of bigger stand-ups of my generation, I sort of came through the the gigs with so you know the Acasters the Romishes the Widdicombs all like that I, I you know they're all my really good mates so I've watched them loads and um, you know Terry Pascoe and Catherine Ryan um and you you know you, you sort of so, so you know so you've seen them and so that therefore you know if Catherine puts out a new special I'm interested because I've watched I watched her first mm-hmm. show in Edinburgh when there was only X amount of people in the room and it was a little tiny room and it was in some basement place at the fringe. And so it's really interesting to watch how people sort of develop their craft mm-hmm. and what they're talking about, which is, yeah, really, really interesting. But, and then, yeah, if there's someone that's new that people are like, oh, you've got to see this person, they're really good. I also like watching people that do really weird stand-up because I'm so <laughs> mainstream. I can sort of, if people are doing storytelling... To a degree, you can know where it's going. You can go like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I, oh, they, that's going to be a callback in a minute because they're talking about that and they're talking, yeah, yeah. And you can sort of unpack it a little bit because I don't think that a, your average bear could. But I'm a bear that's in the stand-up all the time. I'm not sure I'm using a bear <laughs> analogy, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's um, it's uh, but 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 people that do sort of weird stuff like someone. Uh, like John Kearns, who has won numerous awards in Edinburgh and is brilliant. And we did our first Edinburgh show together when we were on a mixed bill about nine or ten years ago. And he's so brilliant that I always love watching him because I've got literally no fucking idea what he's going to do. (laughs) And my brain just doesn't work that way. Same with watching someone like Milton Jones, who does one-liners. My brain, when when someone says to me, tell a joke, I have to be like... (sighs) 
I, I, say, I don't do jokes. I can do my mum's voice. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. do a story. Um, I could do a funny a story with a with a funny ending. Um, I can do I can my, my, I do quite big things with my body. I can do a big old act out, but I don't really have any jokes. I'm sorry about that. It's an interesting in- industry, isn't it? Because you, as you say, you have friends and you want to see them doing well, but also it's really hard not to compare yourself to other people. So there might be people progressing mm. quicker or progressing slower, and then you sort of try and work out where you fit in. It's 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 very it's a very difficult. It's, it can be quite lonely, and at the same time, it can, it can also be you're mixing with people you know and love. So it's very difficult. But I find that comparison thing difficult sometimes, just to focus on yourself rather than trying to compare yourself to other people. Yeah, I think it is. I think that it's quite. Um, you sort of just have to sort of learn to be okay with that. It's certainly something that I've. You know, I think any comic would be lying if they said they hadn't at one or another point gone. Oh. And it's never that you don't want that person to have a job. You're just like, oh, I, I, I wanted a job like that, or I'd like to do mm, a thing like yeah. that, or I'd like to host a show like that. Um, but I think that's, I think that's 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 ambitious people. I think that you know that's it. It, it come if you're someone that likes standing on stage and everyone telling you you're funny. You're you. you probably like your ego being rubbed a little bit mm. and so you you know you can't help but be have a bit of that sort of ambitious or sort of competitive edge but i um i'm I, i'm i've i'm very happy for my friends and i'm really there's people that i think are fucking brilliant that don't get um, the breaks that they should and there's people that are amazing that do and then there's people that you're not a massive fan of because comedy's subjective yeah, yeah. but then that's good that different people are getting different types of people need stage time people um and airtime but yeah it's a, it's it's a thing where you can't help but sometimes look around and go oh well i started with them they've given up that person got nominated for newcomer <laughs> they've given up now that person's always been 10, 10 strides ahead of me that you know and and but i think the thing is about comedy is it's all in your hands yeah. yeah so all i need to do when i feel like that is write a really fucking good show and be really funny and i i like doing the telly stuff and i like um it's really fun doing stand up on tv and i've done a fair few of the panel shows and i quite like that and I've done sort of um, a bit of the sort of travel documentary type thing as well, which is uh, which is all brilliant. But for me, the the biggest high probably is playing a rammed, like playing a, a venue like the Hammersmith Apollo, mm. or, or or like a West End theatre where you know everyone's there to have a really good time. I, I don't think that I'd get a high like that after say mock the week or doing um a panel show it's just but there are some people that mm. do but i just love stand-up and i don't think all stand-ups do <laughs> not all stand-ups no. love stand-up i've got many friends that since lockdown i've been like have you missed being on stage they've been like not really no mm. but i fucking love it i love doing stand-up i feel really lucky that i found my thing and i get to do it a lot um and that there are people that you know, we'll buy a a ticket to come and see me. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with it, to be honest, even still. Well, it's like you said earlier about finding your your thing, but also 
you said this word earlier that really struck uh, struck me, and that is persistence. It is persistence. A- any oh. creative industry, really, isn't it? I'm per- perseverance and persistence. You just, no matter, even if you've been really successful early on, or you haven't, you just got to keep going because there are people that will fall by the wayside and give it up, or there are people that will keep going as well. But you, you never really know until you just keep going that's that's what drives me in my sort of creative endeavors which are wildly inconsistent but <laughs> all i can do all i can do i i mean if i stop tomorrow well then i've stopped any possibilities that i might get really good at these things so i just have to keep going but that's the thing and i think that's but i think that's something for anything like for ev- like it do, it can be creative or not really i think but i do think persistence you know it's like with doing yoga with meditating with um i'm quite into crossfit i'm not very good at it but i really really like it because i make small i'm I'm, I'm slowly progressing all of the time by putting like two kgs on oh okay well i can press two kgs more than i could two weeks ago Mm. great and it's not i'm never going to really show anyone that it's not for anyone other than me. It's yeah. just that I feel quite good afterwards. And so, um, but that's the thing. I think, like, giving yourself enough time to progress is the thing that I've learned more than anything in doing stand-up and allowing yourself to fail. Yeah. I think that's really important. You know, and especially because I've watched so many comics that I love who do things that are slightly outside of the norm or, you know, all of the stand-ups <laughs> that we've heard of will have had gigs that have gone absolutely dreadfully. Mm, Like, I mean, terribly. Awful. Tough to play. They just can't break into the audience for some reason. They're not loving it. You're not loving it. But you've got to do 20 minutes. Like, every comic has had that. That's just normal. That's just a bad day at work. But to be good at... To be good at anything, I think you've got to try really hard for a really long time and sort of ride the ups and downs... You know, it's a weird thing now because I think when we all get back on stage, we're all going to be rusty. Because mm. I'm used to doing, probably now I do five shows a week. Yeah. Um, maybe four, uh, maybe three of those would be like my tour show, which is about an hour and 20. And the other ones would be 20 minute spots. So I'm, I'm on stage for probably about five hours every week thinking on like doing material that I know works but also thinking on my feet and being in the moment and so now I've just not had that for ages what have the zoom, <laughs> so what have the zoom gigs been like is it weird like they're not they're not the same but I do think they sort of scratch that itch to a degree and I think it's really nice that people are putting them on it's really nice that people are logging in from home that people are trying to support stand up mm. I think that's lovely I've done a couple of like companies events where they've tried to do something like oh. on a Friday night where they're being like guys you've all been working really hard we're going to have a f-. they send everyone like a bottle of wine and then they'll have a couple of comics doing a bit of funny stuff and then they might have drag queen bingo or something like oh, that amazing. which is lovely yeah and I think that sort of thing is really nice I've sort of worked out routines that work on zoom now I've done I've done quite a few of them now yeah. and so I know what works I know what doesn't quite work as well mm. um and uh, and it's 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 fun. It scratches an itch. It gives me something to do on an evening. It makes me feel like I'm me again yeah. for a bit yeah. until I get back to working my way through another box set. Um, <laughs> but it's um, but it is uh, 
it's not it's not it's not stand up mm. it's not it's not being sort of downstairs at the comedy store with 400 people in like who are sort of ready like up for stand up with the music and then the lights and then welcome to the stage and all that stuff it's very different being like oh hi I'm in this cupboard but I do all my gigs <laughs> yeah. in like it's just my gig just cupboard not, yeah. yeah welcome to the gig cupboard <laughs> sounds like a really um, shit club doesn't it yeah well yeah it just fits one other person in um I don't think it could at the moment there's not there's not two meters um <laughs> But it's... Um, Has it got you down yeah. at all, this period? I mean, yeah, like, I think that... Um, I'm pretty good at being positive. I get I get anxious. I've had, ang- I've had, I've had mm-hmm. sort of anxiety in the past. It's something that I've dealt with, with, like, doing stuff like meditating and going for walks and things like that. That seems to really help me. If I'm, if I'm like, feeling really in a... Ugh. Mm. There's no other word for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have to just go for a walk and listen to a podcast um, or, like, go for, go for, go out on my bike and listen to Lizzo or something. <laughs> but doing something physical is what really helps yeah, me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think in lockdown, I think... I mean, there's definitely been ups and downs. I couldn't say... You know, I'd be lying if I said there hadn't. I've been... I think I've been very lucky that I've been someone that's managed to carry on working. Mm. And so I've had things from the beginning of lockdown. I was uh, writing on one of Harry Hill's shows and doing some bits for that. And whilst that wasn't loads of work, that meant the first two weeks of lockdown, I had things to do. So I felt like someone that was doing things. I think that's the thing for me. The thing that gets me down is when I feel quite useless. And so I create, like, I've written a pilot script um, that I've been meaning to do for ages. I've started trying to write a book. Whether that will ever get published, whether anyone will ever be interested in it, it's been a sort of a creative outlet that I've enjoyed doing. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's sort of. I've just made sure I've had little bits to do, um, and now work is starting up again. I've also got two podcasts, so that meant that every week. I was, uh, one of them doesn't go out every week. One of them's sort of more in a, in a series. Mm. Um, that, that's one called Out, which is trying to sort of inspiring people from the LGBTQI community. Uh, but it's very much not a podcast just for gays. If you're a nice guy, <laughs> please listen to it. Or gal, or someone that doesn't really feel like they're either of those things. It's for you as well. And, uh, and then I have another one with Tom Allen, which is another gay podcast. Does she ever stop talking about it? Not really. She's really meant in, in her Birkenstocks. Uh, but that's me and Tom. And that podcast has been going for like five years. And that's me and Tom literally talking bollocks every week. Uh, not specifically about bollocks. Um, I mean, he could. I have very little knowledge or interest but um we uh someone described it as white noise for gays which i quite liked but again anyone can listen to it and so we've done that every week we've done that every week which has been really nice so that was to begin with we've done two now where we've been in the same room at a distance but us just doing it over zoom and we're you know we've been doing it for about five years we're really really good friends we know ins and outs of each other's quirks and personalities and tom actually spoke really openly on the podcast about how hard he was finding lockdown and how he'd he'd um he'd, he'd felt very down mm. and people and whilst the podcast is usually very upbeat and silly and we're talking about like 
where to get a little cruise, for example. <laughs> it's John Lewis. Um, but it, I think people really liked that we sort of really went into like the the downsides of lockdown and feeling you know being able to feel sort of quite lonely even when you're not by yourself uh, and stuff like that and so yeah I, I think that I'm lucky that I've had those outlets uh the whole time and um and I'm now working on the second series of of the interview show out and so I've had you know an hour with Alan Carr, I've had an hour with Gok Kwan, I've had an hour with Reverend Richard Coles and all these, and May Martin and all these brilliant people that are on the next series of the podcast. So that's a really exciting thing because I get to do a bit of research on them and then have a really, usually quite inspiring conversation. So I think I'm very lucky in lockdown that I, I sort of had this idea for the podcast in January. My friend, who's a producer, um, and an editor was like, let's just make it. And so we did, and we've been able to carry on doing that, which is lovely. And so that's, I think, I think without those, without those two podcasts, I think my lockdown might have been very different. Yeah. I think that, I think it's been really hard for lots of people. And I think that's okay. I think like, yeah, of course it's been fucking hard. Mm. Of course it's yeah. been hard. This is really, it's a really tough time. People don't know what's going on with their jobs. They don't know what's, you know, going on with, you know, a thousand things in their life. Alice and I were supposed to get married, so we had to, like, untangle a wedding, which was a pain in the yeah. arse, um, and also disappointing. But, you know, we've also got each other, and we've enjoyed having lockdown together, and in a way it's meant that we've spent more time together than we ever have before. It's really confirmed that we should be marrying each other, which is ideal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the other version was, of that yeah, would yeah. genuinely dreadful, because yeah. we do own property together. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> So it's, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's up and down, isn't it? Mm. And I think I've got a lot better as I've got older of being like, it's okay that it's up and down. Yeah. It's okay that I'm feeling a bit shit. Mm. That's fine. I'm not going to give myself a hard time for that. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes leaning into that as well, leaning into that feeling of shit can, can be inspiring in some ways. Yeah, I think so. Also, I think that like often when, dreadful things have happened in my life I've ended up getting such a great routine out of that. <laughs> yeah. so it really is peaks and troughs it Every really cloud. is peaks and troughs I did, a, I, I did a gig after I'd had a terrible breakup my nan had also died that week it was a really awful week in uh, in the Ruffle household and um, I went and talked about it on stage because I'm weird and uh, one of my friends who's another stand-up was like four months till Edinburgh you're gonna have a cracking show <laughs> and did just go yeah that's, you turn your you turn your pain into funny um, or at least that's what I do but I think I think having that creative outlet is very useful even for people that aren't in the creative industry even if you're someone that works in a bank or works in insurance I think like doing something like having a go at painting yeah. is really lovely if you but again it's that we're told sort of not to play aren't we after you get to a certain age and that's encouraging you know if I said to my dad why don't you have a go at painting my dad would be like what like a book <laughs> yeah like that would be his response what the shit? Like he'd have, yeah it would be and he then would be like no I'm shit that sort of thing um but I think it's good if we try and Oh, definitely. Encourage. Also, it's okay. I'm really shit at painting. I quite like it. I'm really bad at it. I'm really, like, really genuinely awful at that sort of thing. But I really like it. So I'm just doing it. It's calming, isn't it? I think. Like the old painting by numbers. Remember thinking that was great. (laughs) 
What is it? What is this one? I, I don't know what this one is. Don't worry, I'm going to... Guys, I can tell everyone that's listening is thinking. Oh, this, this is the same. Well, this is like a YouTube box opening. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Oh, this one is a oh, T-Rex. Oh, nice. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I mean, I love it if T-Rexes look like that. <laughs> yeah, they were... <laughs> but, yeah, I think doing shit like that is shit like that what a lovely way yeah, to like yeah. come to the end shit of the podcast like doing shit like that that really helps that oh she is from Portsmouth right at the end it slips out but also it's, it's, it's having a purpose as well because you know you talked about feeling useless so I, I definitely relate to that I think a lot of people probably would but if you've got something that you really enjoy it gives you that purpose to stay active and to stay doing your thing and we all need that thing that drives us to, to keep you know, stop from falling off the rails, I guess. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, yeah, and, and allowing yourself the, the room to do that and the room to feel like that and to, yeah, and, and I think, yeah, like I said before, I think for me it's just mainly about persistence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Susie, yeah. It's, I know you've got, you've got stuff on today, so I really appreciate you giving us your... Uh, Oh my god, time. it's my absolute pleasure. Um, I'm doing, I'm about to do one of my interviews for my podcast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it's very nice to be invited onto no, yours. No, no, I've listened to it and it's very, very good. Well, so it's you. always nice to be on a podcast that you thank enjoy. You. Oh, it's been lovely talking yeah, to you. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, thank you so much for your time. I, yeah, I don't know if I, uh, I don't know if that's what we were, I don't know. I, I mean, I just feel like I've given you a potted history of my <laughs> career, which is. I mean, unbelievably arrogant uh, when you sort of didn't ask for it. And then sort of when... Well, I think we did. Do you know what? Why don't you just try really hard at things? Try really hard at things and be okay with that. But um, hopefully that's... um, Hopefully some people will have enjoyed it. And some people won't have. And you have to learn to be okay with that sort of thing. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. That is brilliant. She says, crying. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see it now, but yeah. Yeah, Go do your painting by numbers. That will cheer you up. Yeah, I will. Mate, I've got a T-Rex to paint. All right, I've got a lot on. Um, It's been lovely chatting to you, Brian. Yeah, and you, Susie. Thank you so much. real life one day. Take care. Thanks, Susie. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Well, there we go. That was Susie Ruffle. Ah, oh, Susie's so lovely. Really lovely. And just, as I said before, really inspirational stand-up, really. Yeah. It's actually made me want to be a bit more... Uh, proactive. Hands-on and proactive with my with my creativity. So, um, yeah, just a, a great person. Really just a nice nice energy, nice nice yeah. person to hang around uh, and, and just very easy to talk to. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, I, I really loved our conversation and empathized with so much of it you know um all the stuff about having difficulties and challenges through school which you know i i didn't have dyslexia which she talked about a bit um but obviously my son has and we talked about that a little bit and so i do understand and empathize with that and i struggled at school i found it hard and that sort of idea of perseverance and keep going in in the things that you enjoy doing i think is you know something for all of us to take away from isn't it Absolutely, yeah. I think whatever you whatever you do, whether it's creative mm. or not, as she said, I think the being a persevere being a perseverance person, is that the word? I'm not sure it is. A perseverer? Being, Can you perse- be a perseverer? I don't know. Hmm, we may have made up some words there. But anyway, perseverance mm. is is a powerful 
quality. I would say whatever you do, yeah. But it's also not one that you know that uh, you either have or you don't. You can you can you can get it by being you know you can be. I'm going to say perseverant. I'm just going to go with it. Um, you can be perseverant, um, uh, even if you hadn't been all your life. You can turn it on mm. and you can try. All it takes is, is trying and working hard. And and I think Susie I think is an you, example where that can get you. Yeah, and I think if you really want something, you really desire, um, whether it be buying a new TV or or going or doing like you doing your runs, like getting a better time. Yeah. or or if it's becoming a stand-up comedian or writing a book, we can all take steps, can't we, yeah. today to make those things, you know, achievable for ourselves. So yeah. whether it's, you know, working harder or running faster or or more regularly or, um, you know, going out and doing loads and loads of gigs um, what, to, to improve ourselves. So yeah, there's all these different things that we can do, but we we just have to have that kind of belief in ourselves and... And per- perseverance is the is the key to that. There was a moment when I was running today, as I said before, like it was it was the worst run I've done. I really hated it, all of it. Um, but there was a moment on the back lap, so I basically go up the road two and a half mm-hmm. kilometers, and I turn around and come back again. And like that little bit on the back lap, where you, you're supposed to feel like you're like oh, in, in theory, it, it's, it was all diminishing now, but it just felt mm. it felt horrible. I remember thinking I could stop now. I literally could, if I wanted to, I could stop running right now. And something inside me was like, no, you need to, you need to, even if you get a bad time, you need to finish this. And I just like, can't really describe it. It's a little sort of mentality because I could have mm. easily, there was nothing, no one was like dragging me with a rope. I literally could have just stopped, but something inside me didn't, didn't do that. And I think, I don't know, maybe that's why I'm still doing creative stuff as well. Something inside me just doesn't want to stop. Well, yeah. I think creative stuff is, in, is compulsive, yeah, I think, I think you're there's right. a compulsion there. I've I've always I've said that to many people before that you know because I don't you know it was funny Susie was saying that um, how much she obviously she loves 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 stand up but yeah. like other things like writing and that maybe not as enjoyable for her and I I get that I'm not um, I love 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 doing podcasts <laughs> um, but writing is hard and yeah. I don't always enjoy that you yeah. know but I can't imagine not doing it either yeah. because yeah. it's just sort of yeah. little compulsion to do it exactly um so yeah it's it's a it's a funny thing creativity if you've got a, a creative mind it's a you have a sort of weird relationship with it it's a love-hate relationship in many ways yeah. um but anyway well, there you go we got a bit deep there didn't we thank yeah, you we to did. Susie for joining us because that was, yeah, uh, was great really enjoyable chat and thank you for listening we really appreciate it and mm. all your tweets and stuff like that and we'll be back next week Giles with another episode we will wonder who it will be. Oh, only one way to find out. Join us next week on The Blank Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 
This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.